Welcome to the 12th episode of Far From Home, a podcast that encourages biblical perspectives on immigration and inspires faith in action. I'm your host, Mabel Nainan, and I'm so glad you joined me today. In this episode, I spoke with Janelle Wood, a writer, speaker, and host of the podcast, Finding Something Real. Janelle started hosting foreign exchange students in her home since 2016, and she speaks to us about the blessings and challenges of this ministry. She answers some important questions. What does it practically look like to open our home to a foreigner? What are some expectations from host families? What are the needs of foreign students? How can we share God's love with them through our actions and words? Janelle and I have an honest discussion about the sacrifice and perseverance this kind of ministry calls for, and we reflect on the spiritual, emotional, and social rewards we gain by being hospitable and generous to young foreign students. Hosting international students is an excellent way to show love to the foreigner. I hope you give this option some consideration. Do your research and pray about it. If you have a room in your home and room in your heart, you can do it. I hope you take a listen to Janelle's podcast, Finding Something Real, which features graceful conversations for faith seekers and believers needing encouragement. I've personally been blessed by this podcast and I highly recommend it to everyone, but especially to young people and those who are spiritually curious. If you've been enjoying the Far From Home podcast, you can support us by subscribing to the podcast and spreading the word about it. Thank you so much. Hi, and welcome to Far From Home with me, Mabel Nainan, your host. So if you've been listening to this podcast, you are probably familiar that we have two objectives here. The first one is to encourage you to think biblically about immigration and immigrants. And the second objective is to inspire you to put your faith in action. And it's with the second objective in mind that I've invited our guest today, Janelle Woods, to speak with us. Now, I had been a guest on Janelle's podcast, Finding Something Real, some time ago, maybe a year ago. And then I kept in touch with her. And through Facebook, I found out that she loves hosting international students in her home, and she's passionate about sharing God's love with them. And I was praying about it, and God put it on my heart uh, that she would be a great fit for the podcast, because that's our goal to show, uh, to find ways to show love to the foreigner. And I wanted to know Janelle's thoughts on this kind of ministry, what it means to open up our homes to foreign students to come and stay. And I hope that this conversation will put some thoughts or ideas in your mind about how you can find practical ways to show love and kindness to foreigners. So welcome, Janelle. We're so happy to have you. Oh, thank you, Mabel. Thanks for being inviting me on and for being here. And I just really appreciate you. When you came on my podcast, it was such a delightful conversation. You really love the Lord and your passion for people that are foreigners. It's just really beautiful. So thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh, thank you for your kind words. Let me introduce you to our guest. So Janelle is a writer, speaker, 
and a high school foreign exchange coordinator. And that's what we're going to be talking about. She's the host of the Finding Something Real podcast, a grace-filled journey for faith seekers and believers needing encouragement. She has a master's degree in counseling psychology and in counseling psychology and is passionate about using her home as a mission field. She lives in Eastern Washington with her husband, four children, and there's usually a teenage exchange daughter who's part of their family. In her free time, she can be found watching vintage television with her family or attempting to read multiple books. Yeah, I do that too. (laughs) So I'm curious, what books are you reading now? Right now I'm reading this really interesting memoir uh, called Lit by Mary Carr. And it's not a Christian book, but I'm just enthralled with her writing and the way that she describes her brokenness. And it's just been a really beautiful read. It was recommended to me. I was listening to a pastor one time and he mentioned it. It's pretty raw and there's a lot of language in it. But if you can get past that, her writing is just amazing. So I'm staying up late at night reading a memoir about somebody I don't know. And it's been really fun to do that. Yeah. I'll check that out. Maybe I'll pick it up and read it too. I love memoirs go-to always or nonfiction. I have to push myself to read fiction. (laughs) When I was younger, I read a lot. And then throughout my kids' younger years, I didn't read as much. And if I read, it was always nonfiction. And so it's been fun to pick up this and to really think, oh, wow, this is why I fell in love with writing was because of reading stuff that's so beautifully expressed. I think sometimes the books that I read are usually expired library books. And thankfully, <laughs> we just hauled a bunch of them back. But there's, yeah, sometimes a lot of guilt in, in my reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. So you've been a foreign exchange student coordinator since 2016, and you were just telling me that you've hosted about six or seven students. Mm. Now, before we even talk about this in detail, tell us what it really means for those who don't understand. Like, what do you mean by a foreign exchange student coordinator or what does this involve? Yeah, actually, my husband and I, we've been a host, we've been host parents since 2016. We've been coordinators since 2018. So when we started, we were just praying for, we wanted more. I wanted more. I'm like, Lord, I just, I want more of you. I want more of your adventure, all these different things. And so foreign exchange just became this thing that opened up to us. What it is as a coordinator, there's different programs in the United States and across the world that help place students here in the U.S. um, as exchange students. And they come for a whole school year or shorter amounts of time. We have some students that come for half a year. The program that I work with, EF High School Exchange Year, it's a secular program. They host from, I believe it's 13 different countries, both in Europe and in Asia. And they have offices in all of those different countries. But then they also have offices here in the U.S. And then they have regional coordinators. And then they have international exchange coordinators, which are local people who are in their communities who look for host families and say, hey, you'd be a great host family. Share about exchange, usually our host parents themselves. And when you're looking for a host family, you're looking for a volunteer. So a host family is a volunteer position, a coordinator position. There's some income that comes with that. It's it's not a lot, but it is it is a paid position. And then from there, but as a host family, it's all volunteer. 
The State Department, they approve the visas of these students every year. And the reason in part is because of diplomacy. And it's this idea that when somebody from a foreign country comes over here for a temporary amount of time, they're going to take whatever prior knowledge that they had and contrast that with what they actually experience. And then they're going to take that real experience back to their home countries and share that good news with the people that are around them. And so it's an amazing opportunity to pour into the life of a young person being a host parent or being a coordinator. There's thousands of them all over the United States. What is the age group of these students? So the program that I'm with, they're between the ages of 15 and 18. So high school, so freshman to senior. Some of them have graduated, but they age out of the program after 18. So they have to come during that time. We've hosted a couple girls who were graduated from their home countries when they came. It was like a gap year for them. And then as a coordinator, what I get to do is not only do I get to help place the students in local families, but then I get to love on that young person. There's boys that come too, but primarily I've worked with young women and I get to check in with them every month or more, walk alongside them and be a support to them and to their host family while they're here in the U.S. Yeah, it's pretty, describes in brief nutshell <laughs> what I do. <laughs> Let's go back to being a host family. Like, What does it practically look like? So they come and live with us in our homes, correct? So what are the boundaries around this? What are we expected to do for them? Yeah, yeah take us through what that looks like. Yeah, because when we started, I was like, what? (laughs) The great thing is, especially with EF, the organization I work with, there's a lot of vetting that happens. So the students Mm -hmm. have already been vetted on their side in their countries through the offices that EF has over there. And then over here, there's quite a process. You apply. There's certain things as a host family that you need to agree to. So agreeing to a bed that's not convertible in nature for that student that you can financially provide meals and reasonable transportation for school and different activities. And there's some other stipulations there, but primarily families come in all shapes and sizes. And a lot of times people will say, I'm a single person. I don't know if I'm the right type of, you might be. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or I have this going on. My my teenage daughter really wants to host, but we don't have an extra room. A lot of times we have students who share rooms with young people who are the same age, the same gender. You may be surprised at how you qualify to be a host family. Because when we started, I thought for sure that God would close the door. Like maybe this wasn't for us. And when he didn't, I was a little surprised by that because we had four little kids. We lived in a small town. I thought, do they really want to host family? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, We'd never raised a teenager before. So it's basically no criminal background. Those are all important things. And Mm -hmm. the willingness to treat this student like a part of your family. Wow. So let's go back to that little bit, what you just said, that God didn't shut that door, but he opened that door. And then maybe can you talk about what led you to this ministry? What is it that was going on in your life, in your mind? And how did you zero in that this is what your family is going to do together as a ministry? Yeah. Mabel, I've been a Christian most of my life. And like most Christians, I've had my ups and downs in relationship with Jesus. 
but I was definitely at a point in my walk with him where I just wanted more of him. And I've also always, I'm mixture, right? My human flesh, I've always wanted adventure too. And I just had my fourth baby and she was less than a year old and I was helping with the Bible study and I would do laundry and listen to different sermons online. And I got hooked in by this one pastor listening to his sermons from 2010. His name's Francis Chan. And I would listen to his sermons and he's a pastor down in California. And at the time he was leading a very large church, but his sermons were so captivating because he kept talking about, we have this amazing God who's done these amazing things for us and our response in the American culture. He was grace-filled, but often we go to church on Sundays, we pray before meals and that's it. And I felt a little conviction about that because I wanted more. And here mm -hmm. I was like, it felt very like they do this. So I'm just like, Lord, I want more. I read this pastor's book called Crazy Love, which is all about our response to that crazy goodness of God. And I thought, I, I Lord, I want to be all in. So I go to my husband and I say, Brian, and my husband, you have to understand, I, I tend to be the more up and down kind of person in relationship, like the <laughs> ideas and the passion that comes from me. And my husband is steady, like a rock, but he loves the Lord too, but he also is very practical. And I said, Hey, I just read this book and there's all these great examples in the back about missionaries. Why don't we move overseas? We can sell everything and move overseas and become missionaries. And he's, yeah, I don't think that necessarily <laughs> is the thing that God's calling me to. These were long conversations and I'm just paraphrasing here, but it, it pretty much was like this. And then I'm like, what about we could move our four kids and us into a tiny home and we could be like patrons of other people. It'd be amazing. And he's, yeah, no, I don't think so. And so I had all these grand ideas. And then there was this woman's retreat. I got away and anyone who's in that season of life where your babies are toddlers and younger and you're just running around. And my quiet time was at the laundry. It was <laughs> there listening to those sermons with my baby yeah. held to my body. And I finally had this sweet time of being away at the ocean. And I just said, Lord, this is my heart's desire. I just want to be all in for you, however you want to use me. And, and the fact was, Mabel, he was using me already, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, I look back at that and I think, okay, there was this girl that felt like she needed more. What she really needed more of was Jesus. And Maybe there was a lot of mixture happening there, right? I, I, looking back, I think I could have been completely satisfied in what I already had. But for whatever reason, I felt like there was more that I had to give in that season. I don't know why. And I'm not saying that's for everybody. I'm just saying that for whatever reason, whether it was pure or, or really mixed, God answered that prayer uh, over time, I saw these different signs about hosting foreign exchange students. I thought, Lord, is that really from you? On the book, he mentions widows and orphans, and that's not a widow or an orphan. And we just said, okay, we're going to knock on this door a little bit because it seems like it's right in our face. There was a local Facebook group that was talking about hosting. And so we said, okay, let's just inquire. I didn't know this, Mabel, but Word to the wise, anybody listening or watching this, if you are interested in hosting a foreign exchange student and you qualify, you can get past that initial hurdle of providing meals, financially stable, no criminal history, those kind of things. Most likely, unless there's like some major thing, there's also little caveats, like you can't be a certain, you can't be a teacher of a student that you host and these different things. Mm -hmm. yeah. But the truth is, 
We're looking for people who will do this, right? There's people who like what I do now as a coordinator, when somebody comes to me and says, we want to host an exchange student for a year. I'm like, yes, right. That's amazing because yeah. there's kids waiting. And so I didn't know that we invited uh, the coordinator at the time to come to our home. We knew that the girl that she had advertised that needed a place to stay was from the Netherlands. We didn't know anything about the Netherlands. I had no idea at the time that the Netherlands is one of the most unchurched countries in the Western world. I did not have any of that. I, this was all about the adventure and the more for me at the time. And God in his grace and his mercy just started to open the door more and more. And eventually we got screened. We went through the whole process. It can take up to a week or it can take a lot longer, depending on how long you drag it out or how long it takes to fill out the application, do the background check and all that. But we got approved. And I remember the coordinator just looking at us saying, do you really want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know for sure, because up, up until that point, it had just been this like pipe dream. Oh, I'm just excited. And my husband, he, he thinks more of other people. He was thinking this would be a really amazing um, opportunity for our children too, that they would know other people from different cultures and in a way, a mission field in our own home. Mm -hmm. And so we reluctantly and excitedly said yes. And that was followed by a lot of fear and trepidation. And we can talk about that too, if you like. But anyway, that's the story. Um, <laughs> it's not, it was not this perfect Mother Teresa thing. It was more like I was hungry for yeah. something and God filled mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, when God asks us to take that step, we never feel fully confident in doing no. this, but we just take that step knowing that on some level in our hearts, in our minds, we have that peace and we are confident that this is what God wants us to do. And so God, I'm just going to do this in your strength, depending on you. And so there's always excitement, but also a little bit of uncertainty or nervousness yeah. and fear, in fact, and they're all valid. So I'm curious when you started your first year, right? Take us back to your first experience with the the student from uh, Netherlands, what were your expectations and did the reality <laughs> match those expectations? Uh, uh, yeah, what no. surprises uh, were in store for you? Yeah, tell us about that. I was convinced I was now a missionary and uh, I was going <laughs> to get saved. Honestly, <laughs> if she ever watches this, she'll laugh and she probably won't ever watch this unless she does get saved. But it's so funny because I did, I had this agenda in my mind okay, we're saying yes. And that's because we're going to do such a great job at this. This is what God has brought to us. I don't know that I would have ever said that, but looking back, I definitely think that there was some of that. And what you were saying, Mabel, to touch on that real quick, in Exodus, Moses says to God, if you won't go with us, don't lead mm -hmm. us forward. Yeah. So even in the mix of all of this back and forth with my own, keep on looking at myself, also looking at the Lord, I'm thinking, okay, God, that's the cry of my heart. I don't want to do this without you. And something had happened in a nearby community where with an exchange student with a different program that had made the news and a friend of mine who loved the Lord, she's, are you sure you want to do this? And we had people telling us like, are you sure you want to, <laughs> you, you have a lot on your plate already. And they said that out of kindness and love, but it felt like a lot of, are we sure that we heard God and this isn't just Janelle wanting an adventure? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I was very fearful, but God in his sovereignty had brought along people in my life who were older Christian women with very strong faith. And so they came over, we prayed over her room 
I do remember thinking, man, I think she's going to get saved. I don't know how she's not going to find Jesus while she's here. <laughs> this is our mission field now. And then also just wanting to love her. And so she came and we had never taken care of a teenager for that long, a period of time. We had our niece over at one point for one week. That was it. That was our experience. My husband, he was at the time a high school administrator. He was a vice principal. So he had spent a lot of time with teenagers. I'd spent a lot of time with teenagers, but it was different. It's different when they live in your home, they become like your kid. I made a lot of mistakes. I didn't want to tell her what to do because I didn't want to be that kind of person. I wanted to be her friend more than her mom, her host mom. But I also did some things that I look back and I go, no, those were good things. Like I remember calling her my daughter and she told me later that was like one of her favorite things is when I referred to her as my daughter when I was talking to somebody and it just, it was this mixture of <laughs> this dream and then reality and the reality of a teenager who was not used to being around a bunch of little kids. She was actually one of four. And I remember at one point early on in her year with us, she was like, I need to call my mom and tell her thank you for all that she did for us. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> Um, our little toddler at the time, they shared a wall. He was in the room next to her sharing a room with his brother. And then she had the room to herself and he would kick the wall in the morning and she would wake up all groggy and annoyed. And it was fun. And it was also messy. And it was very eye opening. And it became very apparent that the way forward was just to love this young woman as she was and to continue living out our faith in real and tangible ways. And sometimes that looked like acts of service, like taking her to things. Thankfully, we lived in a small town. She was able to get rides and different things, but transport, transporting a teenager to things that you don't really want to go to, that can be an act of service or whatever it was. And sometimes it looked like actually talking with her about Jesus. And so that was the way forward. Yeah. But yeah. it wasn't perfect. Yeah. I can imagine, like you said, it's not perfect, it's messy, especially when you invite someone to live with you, and it's not a cousin or an aunt or a friend, but a complete stranger. So they also know what's going on in your family, in your home, yeah. and they're watching you and That's observing right. you, right? So didn't you find that unnerving or unsettling in any way that she's going to see us and know how we interact or yeah. yeah. How, how did you handle that? You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I had to lay that part down because I did. And I've had people tell me before, oh, we're not a perfect family. And that always grieves my heart a little bit because uh, it's such a lie from the enemy that we need to be perfect in order to mm -hmm. represent Jesus. Uh, yeah. No one's perfect except for him, except for Christ. And the truth is we are going to make mistakes. We are flawed broken human beings that Jesus loves that he died for. And so when we can demonstrate what grace looks like, there are days when I yell at my husband or I lose it with my kids or whatever, and I definitely am not uh, wearing Jesus very well. And I'll see my exchange daughter and I'll think, oh my gosh, just blow it. Then what do you do? You have a conversation or you say, I'm sorry, or you pray or whatever it is. And they get to see that day in and day out. And for mm -hmm. the long haul, it's not a show. 
there's no show going on. And mm -hmm. the biggest thing for us is staying anchored to the Lord, because there are going to be days we lose it. There are going to be days when it's stressful. Or like last night, bless her heart. We love our exchange. We've loved all of our exchange daughters. This one that we're hosting right now, she's from France and she's very sweet. But we told her and we were joking, but not all the way joking. She had to come back from a volleyball game last night at 11 o'clock at night. And my husband and I were like, okay, we're going to come get you. But just so you know, this is how much we love you, right? We're going to lay <laughs> on the guilt just a little bit. <laughs> so yes. that way we're not perfect people. There's no such thing. And so that has been a fear of mine at times and also a fear that I've encountered when I talk to other Christians. And it's a lie of the enemy that says, oh, you better have it all together before you do something like this. That's not mm -hmm. true. All we need is what, Jesus said, and I think it's John 17, three, right? This is eternal life that they would know you. When mm -hmm. we stumble, we fall, we can ask God, I want to know you more. Help me to walk and abide with you more. And yeah. that, that is going to go through the messy and it transcends it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How did your kids react to all of this? So when you started, one of your kids was just a toddler, like you mentioned, Right. So what yeah. are the ages now and how has this affected them? Both positive mostly, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. Yeah, our youngest wasn't even walking. She had mm. just turned one. And our kids now are our youngest is eight and our oldest is fourteen. We have two boys and two girls, fourteen, eleven, nine, and eight. And they have sisters all over the world. They have mm -hmm. family members all over the world. They treat them like their sisters. Mm -hmm. And it's been really, really beautiful to see that those relationships form. It's also been hard at times because they leave after 10 months. They yeah. don't leave permanently, but they're here yeah. in a very real present way. And then they leave. And so that's been at times heartbreaking to watch my kids have to go through the loss of somebody that they love, I think has been really beneficial for my kids is they get to experience firsthand cultural differences in a way that other young people don't. Like we're raising our kids uh, to know the Lord, right? As far mm -hmm. as it depends on us, it doesn't, you know, they're, they have to choose for themselves whether they're going to follow Jesus and praise God at this point in their life. They all have chosen that. So we talk about Jesus in our home. We talk about mm -hmm. prayer in our home and we read the Bible with them and all these different things. But then they also have the faith, the very real love of somebody who doesn't know the Lord in their mm -hmm. life, somebody mm -hmm. who comes from a different culture, who maybe mm -hmm. has never had conversations about God before in their life, period. That's happened multiple times, both with girls that we've hosted and with girls that I get to coordinate with yeah. and their support system. They'll tell me, we've never talked to anyone. We've never known anyone who talks about Jesus like this or who loves God. So it's a burden that we get to share as a family of just, hey, let's love this person and know this person and love them even though we disagree on things. And there are real cultural issues, as I'm sure you are well aware, Mabel, in this world today, because <laughs> uh, you live in California, I, I live in Washington State, that people that do not know the Lord are going to have completely different worldview. They just are. And so my children get to encounter that in a way that sometimes to be honest, the first couple of times it happened, I was scared. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh. Like now I got a debrief in my own home, yeah. uh, but God has mm -hmm. been gracious and he's allowed us to have hard, bold conversations wrapped in love. 
I hope in the safety of your own home, you know, you get to have those conversations. They're exposed to certain worldviews and maybe certain behaviors which are new to them. It might seem even like this is not what we are learning at home, but they get to talk about it and explore it in the safety of their homes and in conversations with you. Yeah. I think that's, that's a blessing. Yeah. Because we don't want to keep them in a bubble. It's good for them to know, but also have boundaries around what they're being exposed to. Uh, And there's nothing like doing it at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I remember listening to that same pastor that I mentioned earlier, Francis Chan, he was talking about his teenage daughter, and how he was concerned about her behavior and certain things that she was getting swayed by stuff. But he talked about it in a way of scripture, he was talking, I think it was in Romans, maybe Ephesians, where he's talking to her, I don't see that anchor, the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so when our kids are swayed by certain worldviews, or they are captivated by those things, it's okay. Just praying for that anchor that they would know Christ. So yeah, but it is, it, that part has been hard. The fear part that rises up again and again, yeah. like, oh wait, I want to protect. So yeah, that comes up sometimes. So we know from talking to you that your family has benefited greatly from this ministry. How about you personally? How has this been beneficial to you in your personal growth in your spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about uh, that. <laughs> it's be- <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. It's made me have to stop looking at myself so much and just trust uh, the Lord. There was a really popular song. It still is somewhat popular now, but at the time we started hosting called Oceans. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with the lyrics, but the the lyrics go something like you called me out upon the water where feet may fail and I need you. Yeah. And that often has been what it's felt like hosting students that we don't know or welcoming someone into our home that we don't know saying, okay, we, we can know this much, but we're going to step out further this way. And for me personally, that's been hard at times because I look back A lot of times when I feel like God has, or when I can see that God has led me out someplace where I could sink really easily, I will look back and go, did you really call me out here? Did I make this up? And I'll have this shame, right? Was it all because I just wanted an adventure? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't do that as much anymore because the further out that God leads you on that ocean, (laughs) the more you walk with him, the more you know that he's holding you. Because you know mm-hmm. that you would have sank a long time ago yeah, if yeah. it wasn't for if him. If it was not for him, you wouldn't have come this far. Exactly. And I have to remind myself of that too. Like on the hard days or the way the days where things don't go the way I think they should or where the results aren't what I think they should be. I have to remind myself that he's the one who holds me. Uh, Dallas uh, Jenkins, the guy who created The Chosen, he talks about that, bringing the, the loaves and he multiplies it. It's just showing up, saying, okay, I'm mm-hmm. out here. I'm out here and I'm willing. Would you just show up and show me? And man, it's been a game changer in my faith. My my faith has grown tremendously. And while I can look back and laugh at where I was when my daughter was less than a year old, and I'm like, in my excitement and some of my ignorance, I also see somebody who God just has been so faithful towards. He loves that heart that just says, I want to be all in with you, mm-hmm. all in. And I know that I'm not. Yeah. I know that I'm messed up. He loves that, that open, those open hands that say, I want more of you, Jesus. And he Mm. always answers that prayer. 
And it's beautiful that the reward of wanting God more or obeying him, following his direction, is that we get more of him. Uh, and I feel like the spiritual blessings are something we can't quant, but it is so satisfying to know that you're in the center of God's will, that you're walking with him and that he's giving you what you're asking for, more of him. And it's never enough. It results in wanting mm -hmm. more of him after you get mm -hmm. more of him. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the adventure and is a byproduct, right? The yeah. adventure comes as a byproduct of being in deeper in relationship with him and going out on that ocean and the waves come. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. This is an adventure, but yeah. spending time with him. Yeah. It's the journey. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I wanted to talk about something which is probably sensitive, but how do you share the gospel with your guests or talk about God or Jesus or have these conversations without being insensitive or how do you do it with respect when do you know uh, if you're being forceful or too pushy how do you hold back specifically as it relates to our exchange daughters I would say it naturally happens eventually so you're doing life with people like I said it, it can't be a show so yeah our family some of the things that we do as a family some of the things that are part of our daily life are different. They're going to look different to somebody who has never prayed before because we pray before meals or on the way to school, we'll listen to worship music and then we'll pray for one another. Or sometimes we'll have family meetings and we'll talk about what this means or we'll yeah. read the Bible, all those things. We'll go to church and we'll invite them and we can't force anybody, but we always invite. It looks like invitation. It looks like listening. One of my favorite quotes is by a guy named David Augsburger, and he says, being heard is so close to being loved that to the average person, they are basically indistinguishable. And mm -hmm. so there's this time of just listening and loving and Greg Kokel, who wrote Tactics, a great book about evangelism. He talks about it as gardening. You're just gardening. Yeah. You're just talking and loving and doing life. And eventually that does look like conversations, Mabel, because it comes up when somebody in your community passes away and you're talking about death in a way that's different than somebody from a foreign country who's never heard the Christian story before. Or it comes up after listening to a sermon that doesn't make sense to you and you're like talking to your husband about it and you're explaining it to your exchange daughter. And I also do a podcast. That podcast strategically allows me to have deeper conversations with young women about faith. And so often the conversations that happen in our own home, they're the gateway drug <laughs> to having <laughs> deeper conversations on something that I call finding something real. And that's an invitation for young women to come and share their stories and their questions about God and faith. And then we go and we dive into deeper answers about those things. So all that to say is it naturally will happen. And as you're praying about it, you don't have to force mm -hmm. it. Yeah. It comes in a very genuine way when you are anchored. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. We can depend on the Holy Spirit for wisdom, for the right opportunities, and he will show us when to speak up or when to just stay silent. And like you said, a, a large part of this is showing love through your actions and by just listening to them and making them part of your family. I think that's a huge witness in itself. And sometimes when prompted, we can back it up 
with conversations. If it's okay, I just wanted to add this. Greg Kokel, who I mentioned, he talks a lot about gardening and about how as Christians, often we think we need to seal the deal. And I alluded to that earlier about how when our first daughter came, I'm like, she's going to get saved. Whereas having this humble attitude of, wait a second, God loves this person more. He -hmm. loves her more. He loves him more. And instead going, okay, we just get to be part of sowing the seeds. And hopefully some of those seeds will create rocks in their shoes, right? There'll be something Mm -hmm. that kind of bothers them, something different. Yeah. So yeah, that's part of that. It's seeing people not as projects, but people that God loves. And there's a humility in that. When I started doing this, I really didn't have and I still struggle with. <laughs> so yeah. So let's go back to the students and talk about them a little bit. So most of them come from Europe, correct? All of our the students ones that, you uh, host? that we've hosted, except for one, she came from Taiwan. So what do they find shocking about America in the beginning? Or what is it that gives them a culture shock? A few things. Can you mention? Uh, uh... I think something that's come up with all of our students has been they get funny questions. Are there trees in Europe? Are there is, <laughs> are there McDonald's like those kind of questions? And so there's people that will ask questions that feel like, what? Don't you know? I think it's not so much especially from the Western Europe countries, it's not so much a huge culture shock in some ways. There are a lot more, especially the girls that we've hosted from Northern Europe, much more direct in the way that they communicate. Mm-hmm. So there's been a little bit of that culture. Uh, you got to know the culture that you're working with. <laughs> and it's a little different depending on where the student is from, especially in the beginning with our first couple of students, our first student, especially, you would say things passive aggressively, just as part of your culture. Oh, that needs to be cleaned or something. No, you have to be very direct. So that's been maybe some culture shock. I heard one time somebody say the way that Europeans and Americans are is very different. Europeans tend to be like pineapple on the outside, like harder to get to know. And then on the inside, really sweet. Once you get to know them like uh, pineapple, this may or may not be true. And then Americans seem really sweet on the outside, like a peach, but really are harder to really get to know. That's been something that a lot of our exchange daughters have encountered as well. And what do you think are their emotional needs? Because I'm sure physical needs, you already are aware and you're providing like food, shelter, things like that. But what, in your opinion, are some of their emotional needs coming in all alone to a foreign country? It's very evident that they need a sense of belonging and a place to be loved and themselves. And every person needs that. But one of the great opportunities of hosting an exchange student is the unique ability for this young person to be unashamed about that. There's no mask over that. The fact is they're coming to a foreign country, speaking another language, eating new food, being exposed to a new family, new friends, new, all these different things. And they're advised, just jump in. They've been trained to just jump in. That doesn't come naturally (laughs) to anybody, right? But if they do it, they're going to succeed. They're going to have these great experiences. When you look at American teens, I remember at ninth grade, I just finished a few years playing basketball at a private Christian school. And I was not very good, but I loved to play. 
And I remember going to public school. We were a 3A school at the time. And I could try out for ninth grade basketball. And I wanted to, but I didn't do it because I was afraid that I didn't belong there. I knew that I would be cut or I knew that it wouldn't work out. The students that come over from Europe that we've hosted are from Taiwan uh, and these different uh, countries, they're more willing to put themselves out there because they're hungry for that belonging and they're mm -hmm. open. It's more exposed. That yeah. sense of I need community, I need support, I need people in my life is more exposed and it's not hidden behind a facade of, wait a second, this person thinks this and this person thinks that. No, it doesn't matter because mm -hmm. they're here to engage in that awkward yeah. sense of, I need you to welcome me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my last question, maybe someone who's listening or watching has thought about this, or maybe this conversation has at least gotten them to the point where they're thinking about hosting a foreign student, but they're having doubts or fears. It's a stranger in our home. How would that look like? Or they're not yet completely persuaded. What would you say to them? <laughs> How would you convince them? I don't know that I can, but what I can say is you'll always have doubts. You'll always have fears. That's the way it is stepping out on that ocean. The thing is, you see a need, right? We've talked about the need right now, right here. Mm -hmm. Going back to our first student, finding out that so many of these young people have never known another Christian in their life. And so there are people that are hungry for belonging. And as believers, we know that ultimately there's a God-shaped hole in all of us and that only he can fill. And so you see a need that mm -hmm. there's thousands of these kids coming over looking for host families every year. And maybe God is tugging on your heart right now with that little still voice that he tugs on my heart with <laughs> and says, hey, maybe this is for you. And so my advice would be pray about it, surrender it to him, give it to him. Do not let fear be the voice that overrides uh, the voice of invitation. And sometimes we will be afraid, but I remember uh, we had been hosting and somebody that I love came to me and said, Hey, are you sure you want to continue doing this? Like you guys have a really good life. You're inviting a, a stranger into your home. Something could happen. Aren't mm -hmm. you worried about this? And I said to this person, I do think about those things, but I said, if God is holding my hand, going back to Exodus, where Moses says, I need you to go with me, then I can stand before God one day and say, mm -hmm. I did it for you. And yeah. so anyway, Frederick Buchner has this great quote, and I actually wrote it down thinking about this morning as I was preparing for our talk today. He says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. We only have this very short vapor of a life yeah. here on earth. How will you use what God has entrusted to you, the talents and the gifts that he's given to you to go, I'm all in Lord. Yeah. And maybe it's through exchange and pray about it and be uh, amazed and excited when God brings the community around you. When you find out that yes to him trickles out to people around you who go, oh my gosh, I'm in too. I want to do this too. I want to love on this girl too. I want to tell her about Jesus too. I want to take her to this too. I want to involve her. I want to be a part of what God is doing in and through this. And you just see, there's no out blessing God. Like we said, yes. And oh, we're going to do this amazing thing. He has blessed us. And mm -hmm. 
Real quickly, you were asking about my faith. I have people in my life that I love that I've hungered for belonging with. And there's been a closed door there for whatever reason, and it hurts. Some people listening or watching this may have experienced rejection in their life. And our first exchange daughter, who's still, they're all still a part of our life, but she had left in June in 2017. And six months later at Christmas time, we get a ring on the doorbell and she had flown all the way back to surprise us, to spend Christmas with us. And that's amazing. We have family all over the world now who they know uh, about Jesus. (laughs) They know about this crazy American family. And and that's great. But really, may God be glorified in whatever he's calling you to and that you say yes to because you can't outgive God. One of the blessings that we didn't talk about, but the fact that we also receive love, right? This daughter showed you how much she loved you. She loved your family. She wanted to be with you guys for Christmas. And now you call them daughters. And that in, in itself shows that you are blessed because God has given you now more <laughs> children and they love you. They love your family. And so your family gets to receive this love freely. And that's one of the blessings. And yeah. I also wanted to add, that we don't have to feel fully qualified to do this. You just mentioned their needs. They need to feel like they belong. They need to be loved. And they need a place to stay, decent meals, transportation. And that's all. We don't need a degree in psychology. We don't need Mm -hmm. to be familiar with the Bible in such a way that you're not uh, going to have apologetics level conversations all that is needed, like you, Janelle, is a heart that's willing to obey and follow wherever God leads and to be willing to open the doors of uh, our hearts and our homes and say, this is all I have. And I'm confident that God can use this. Uh, not fully confident, but that I'm sure God will bless what I have. So you don't have to see yourself uh, or wait till you are in some way perfect or uh, Mm -hmm. you don't have to have certain qualifications, education, nothing. It's the heart that matters. Yeah. And I just to add, when you say yes to that one thing, right, and you go deeper, guess what? You will be diving deeper into your Bible. You will be diving deeper into those kind of things because the opportunities will come naturally. And you'll go, okay, God, I can't do this on my own. I don't know what to do. And then you're going to get into his word. And you learn as you go. Like you said, for instance, if they ask you something about the Bible, you don't know, you look it up, you ask a friend and that's contributing to your own learning. Or there's some student comes from a totally different culture. Of course, you make mistakes, but you're learning as you go about that culture. So next time someone comes from that country, you already know something. And I've noticed this even in my calling as a writer, when I started writing, I don't think I wrote very well, or I was the best writer. I don't have a degree in writing or anything, but I just said yes, and I'm learning as I go. And that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking with us, General. I felt inspired to consider this option for my family. In fact, just two weeks ago, one of the teachers in my son's school spoke to my husband because Ryan's school, they have a program where they allow international students to come and they host them with the families from the school. Uh, So that's great. So this teacher and my husband had a long conversation and my husband's convinced 
that probably next school year that we can host someone and it's easier for us because it's the same school and so my mm-hmm. son and whoever uh, is plays will probably be going to the same school and the school is providing all the support to these families wow. to host international students and so he had the conversation and that was actually what made me even reach out to you and tell you we need to have a conversation because it's a personal like a stirring that's going on in my heart too and let's see where god leads he's excited yeah. <laughs> yeah. i have no fears <laughs> so, i would but no. <laughs> no my fear jokes aside is that how am i going to manage my time because yeah. i feel like my t- i'm just being pulled in so many directions but it just means that uh, if i know that we are having someone stay with us and hosting then our calendar is going to look a little different right that's mm-hmm. part of the sacrifice is that i know now that there are two children in the house not just one and so i have things to work around if i believe that this is what god has called me to do it takes priority and then some other things have to go and like you said i was afraid that they would see our imperfect family but you had me convinced that's okay good <laughs> I I hope so. I hope whatever people get out of this know that you can be really messed up and love Jesus and just say yeah. So um, I'm wrestling with it and if any of you who are listening or watching you're very close to this or close to making a decision you're on the fence pray about it Janelle said and do check out her podcast Finding Something Real is a unique podcast. She has these amazing guests who come on and young women who talk about their fears and doubts about god and how they are seeking god or where they are on their journey and then janelle calls other guests to address their concerns and so it's a unique format and i would encourage you to listen go check out her podcast all the links will be in the show notes thank you janelle this was such a blessing thank you mabel Thank you for joining us today on Far From Home, a podcast that encourages biblical perspectives on immigration and inspires faith in action. I'm your host Mabel Nainen. I would like to invite you to join our private Facebook group Far From Home podcast, a place where you can share your thoughts and comments. I also share extra scenes and behind the scenes snippets on this Facebook group. I can't wait to meet you there and listen to what you have to say. If you want to know more about Far From Home or about me, go to mabelnainen.com. Some episodes of this podcast are available in video format on my YouTube channel Mabel Nainen. Be sure to check that out if you're interested in watching the interesting conversations I have with the guests on this podcast. Thanks again for listening and I'm so glad you joined us today. Until next time. Goodbye.